Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The Bears lose 35-13 to as Christmas does not quite come early on Christmas Eve. I take you through the ups, the downs, and everything in between of this latest Bears loss on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And it's just me today, though I'm not interviewing myself on this Christmas Eve Bear With Me special. I hope you're having a wonderful holiday holiday season, whatever you celebrate, but the Bears will not be celebrating as they've just finished up a 35-13 to loss that honestly was a lot closer than the score suggests. Now, moral victories aren't going to make anybody particularly enthusiastic, but this is a Bears game and a Bears team that is now down, last I checked, it was seven starters. I'll count them out for fun. We're missing, obviously, Darnell Mooney, but also Chase Claypool, Equinamia St. Brown, Lucas Patrick, Cody Whitehair, and uh, Tevin Jenkins, so I guess six starters. Then if you count the fact that they lost Michael Schofield and now have a backup playing that spot, we're missing a seventh. So with Dieter Iselin stepping in in that, se- or in that early first quarter, things just started to fall apart. And I understand that you got to make do with what you got, but past a certain point when you're playing the second-ranked defense in points per game, there's only so much you can do. The Bears had a wonderful first drive, attacking the edges of a Buffalo defense that was apparently unprepared for it. But other than that, they kept their defense in, or they kept the Bears offense in check. They uh, like they or yeah, they kept the Bears or the Bills defense kept the Bears offense in check. They kept uh, Justin Fields in the pocket, certainly had Tremaine Evan, or Edmonds, a spectacularly athletic linebacker spying Fields the entire game and able to take away some of his legs. They pinched the pocket really well. You especially saw that later with both tackles getting walked back into the pocket, giving Justin Fields not a ton to step up into. I thought Fields, given the circumstances, played relatively well, but honestly, this isn't going to be a game where we're going to have to get the magnifying glass out on the All-22 to figure just about anything out because the broadcast footage was unusually unhelpful as the Bears ran a lot of downfield concepts, or at least their receivers were running out of the picture, and it's hard to tell who was, who wasn't open. Was Fields not pulling the trigger? Was just nobody open downfield? Anything is believable at this stage, and we're just going to have to wait and see. Look, it's not that I'm trying to tell you that this was a, a banner day for Chicago. Any day where you lose by 22 points is never a good one. But when the team was already 3-11, and 11, moving to 3-12 and 12 not only doesn't bother me, it feels to me like they, they got that little bit closer to the number two overall pick. And like we said in the pre-show, 
They're even potentially vying for the number one pick, depending on what the Texans do in their game against the Titans, which has yet to resolve. So I look at a game like this. I think that a defense that was now down, uh, so they're down Eddie Jackson. They're down Jalen Johnson. They're down Kendall Vildor. They're down uh, Jack Sanborn. They obviously traded Roquan and Robert Quinn. Like both units bear are on the Bears on our offense and defense were relatively shorthanded today. And I thought that the defense was incredibly uh, inspiring. I mean, honestly, I really did up until the fourth quarter, they had held Josh Allen to more turnovers than touchdowns. They were feisty managed to force a lot of situations. The bills didn't want to be in. And then at the very end of the game, yeah, they got run over. I mean, starting at the second half, a bad defensive line got taken too. I mean, a singletary and uh cook, both broke loose for very, very long touchdown runs that they were coming. If you've been following this channel at all, you know that this defensive line is nothing inspiring in the way of run defense, and the Bears were committed to pass defense, which is part of how they were able to slow down a Bills offense that loves to pass the ball. But once the Bills committed to a few extra runs in the game, they were able to generate some huge explosive plays, obviously scored on plenty of them. They picked up 8.2 yards per carry on the ground. That's not a typo. Uh, Devin Singletary had 12 or 12 carries for 106 yards, 8.8 per average. James Cook had 11 carries for 99 yards, so that's a 9 per carry average. And then Josh Allen picked up 41 yards on his six totes for 6.8. That is that is not a way to win a football game when you're giving up, I mean, not just five, not just six yards per carry, but over eight yards per carry. And at some point, this loss was just a matter of when, not if. And the fact that the Bears were able to keep it a game that was within one score for as long as they were is where I find something a little bit impressive when you're going up against a clear Super Bowl favorite. Look. I understand the score is massively skewed in favor of Buffalo, but I feel like when you look at these rosters, yes, health affects everybody. And I understand that. But when the bears already poor talent ridden or like talent bereft squad takes on a super bowl favorite down about 10 starters, what did we think was going to happen? And instead on Christmas Eve, we got a sweet Valus Jones pass down the field where it was fun seeing V 12 do what he should have been doing i don't want to say all along but at the very least do what we would have hoped he would do as a third round pick run away from def or from the defense and give justin Fields somebody to throw to and that throw really couldn't have been much better we saw justin fields hang in tough pockets navigate or navigate pressure and place balls into the flat to both cole Komet and dante pettis as well as a couple others that probably should have been caught and so the receivers letting fields down on a day like today even though we're talking about a day where I believe Justin Fields did not hit his passing prop of 135 yards, confirming now, yes, he ended up with 119 yards. That's 5.2 yards per throw, uh, or yards per attempt, that is. But uh, while it's not a banner statistical day for Fields, he kept himself out of trouble, certainly didn't throw any turnover-worthy passes until the very end of the game where he lofted that one up that was luckily deflected by his or by the Bills' own defender. But all, to, all that to say, I came away thinking that this game honestly like I can't say 
I'm outrageously encouraged. When I say I'm encouraged, it's like, I guess I'm more encouraged than discouraged. But really, this was pretty ho-hum. This is about as chalk as I think chalk will get. A very good team walked into Chicago on a frigid day. Both teams having experience playing in the elements. And the better team won, and they won by quite a bit. They piled up scores, certainly in the fourth quarter. I, I'm, it, I don't particularly care about running the score up. That's not really what matters in this case. But it does feel like a game that was mostly 21 to 13 became 35 to 13 in a flash and changes the I think it changes the story just a little bit, though the better team planted the dagger and then they planted it again. I do feel like Justin Fields is getting better. I'm glad he came out of this game healthy. He didn't take a ton of hits. He didn't run the ball much. The Bills came out with a plan and showed just how much this Bears offense needs talent and frankly needs to probably manage the game a little bit better. But it's tough. Because I see a lot of people, myself included, that are critiquing Luke Getze's game plan just in the fact that on both the or so immediately after the Valus Jones play action shot, 40 plus yard passing play, the Bears responded with a run, another run, another run, and then finally a pass on fourth down that if I can be honest, Ryan Griffin catching the ball on what looked like a sight adjustment where remember he's running a crossing route so he sees a defender sitting in shallow zone coverage and understands he's got to throttle that down and turn back to the quarterback. Justin Fields puts the ball on his inside shoulder upfield. I would love to see Ryan Griffin catch that ball and fall forward immediately instead of relying on an extension. But what can you do? You're talking about a replacement level second string tight end, even though it's a tight end on DB matchup that a lot of football guys will draw on the whiteboard and circle and say, we liked it. Um, it's a throw that I would love to see Justin Fields make again because that's the right read when you're trying to convert a fourth and short. If that's what the defense gives you, take it. That's a high percentage throw. Obviously, they got a completion. Bummer, it didn't work out. But seeing Getsy go run, 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 pass, then they give the ball back to the Bills. The Bills throw a very quick interception. Josh Allen did not have a particularly good day. Uh, and then they immediately follow that up with, if memory serves, run, 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 field goal that time. Uh, I need to go back and check the tape to be absolutely sure. But Getsy seemed to call this football game like the Bears were winning by at least a score, if not two scores, even though they were down. And I understand this is exactly how they got back into the Dallas game. They treated it like it was any other situation. They ran the snot out of the ball. They clicked out yards on the ground and they found ways to score to eventually get them back in a game that then got away from them. But in this one, it just didn't work. And obviously when you spend three hours watching a football team that seems to throw away a lead by giving the ball to a ground game that averaged a paltry, paltry uh, 2.8 yards per carry. And that's really only spearheaded by the fact that David Montgomery was the only back to crack uh, 10 yards. Herbert went six for se or seven yards for six carries, like 1.2 yards per carry average. Look, yards per carry isn't everything, but the ground game, especially in the second half, was extremely unproductive. Put the passing game, which was already on life support, in tough long gain situations, and the Bills seemed to come out with a really good plan that the Bears just 
just had no answer for. I think this Bears offense is going to need some serious work. I don't think that that's a surprise to anybody, whether you're on this channel or you're new, or whether you've been on this channel before or you're new to the channel, because the Bears need a lot of talent in their passing offense, and their passing concepts, frankly, need a little bit of investment. They've invested a lot into the running game, and it didn't pay off for them today, but when you're on what very well may be somewhere between your sixth and your eighth offensive line combination of the season, you're going to struggle against a defense that's known for stopping the run better than just about anybody in the NFL. So I feel for Luke Getze. Obviously, today's game plan didn't work much like watching the uh, or much like watching the game plan in the second half against the Green Bay Packers. But the result is chalk. It's a loss. It's 13 points against a very good defense with just about nothing to speak for on offense. And if anything, I do think there's a little time that ought to be spent on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like Jaquan Brisker and especially Kyler Gordon are starting to come into their own. Kyler dropping out of cover three to pick off Josh Allen early in the game in the end zone was really fabulous to see. You saw him immediately drop off the line. He understands that he doesn't have somebody in his zone. And that means that in a standard cover three defense, you've got to to check for a crosser coming to you and gain depth, so drop off the line, to stop wherever that crosser is. Josh Allen never seemed to see number six and lofted an easy interception for Gordon, who was in the right place because his zone eyes are getting better. That's, I think, a lot of fun to see. Um, it's nice to see the way that uh, different defenders, honestly, like Nick Morrow made a play. I think he's earned a play here and there, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I think that J Jaquan Brisker didn't make any specific plays, but I didn't see him make any specific mistakes, though. I guess with the long runs, it begs the question on what were the Bears doing, but they played a lot of cover zero in that first half. The Bears are getting aggressive. Kudos to Alan Williams, who's been critiqued for being extremely conservative early in the season. They're doing a lot of what's called cover zero, so that means no safeties back, right? They're pushing everybody into the 5-10 to 10 yard box and uh, and stashing everybody in those like short area zones so that if you don't get home or on a run blitz, you don't fit a specific gap, you're going to give up a big play because there's just nobody back there to stop you. And on both the cook runs and the Singletary runs, it did look like they were in some form of cover zero because there was just no safety anywhere near the play. I think Noah Blackwell deserves a hat tip at the nickel spot. He and Jalen Jones are, they're looking like very solid no zone corners. I think Blackwell a little more so than Jones because that nickel spot is a lot harder in a cover two defense than that cover two corner spot that Jones I don't want to say he's excelled in but certainly he's looked like at the worst case scenario somebody who could compete for a depth spot in the future it's always hard for me to come to conclusions about defensive backs after watching a broadcast tape because we just don't know what the defensive backs were doing on some of these plays but that's that's how it goes when we're in a post-game podcast. We got a hat tip to somebody, and I just can't pick anybody on this defensive line. It's a defensive line that has rotated through replacement-level players, and they get victimized on a week-to-week -week basis when they're not given tremendous run support, usually seven- to eight-man boxes. They tend to struggle, and they certainly did today, where they were asked to carry a little bit more of the weight in the run game because the Bills love to pass. They're one of the most pass-happy offenses 
offenses in football. So the Bears play DB-based coverages or nickel uh, packages a lot to try to sit back and defend against what the Bills were doing. And they got run on whenever the Bills uh, handed the ball off. So not a great defense or like not a great game for the defensive line, but that's part of the reason there's so much conversation surrounding both free agent and draft additions to that defensive line. I think Bears fans at this stage know that's just a position that needs a complete rework. And while that's four holes they've got to fill, at the very least, I don't think we're hanging on to hope that, say, Justin Jones is going to be a key part of the future. Maybe he'll be a depth piece. I mean, I could see it, but I don't think he's going to be the starter on a particularly good team. Uh, Now, I do see a little bit of conversation surrounding if Luke Getze is going to call a game this way, why on earth are we playing Justin Fields? And I just can't imagine explaining to a professional football player, hey, we're going to try to lose these games, so just go ahead and sit on the bench. Uh, We'll get back to you next season. I don't think that would sit well with just about any locker room, especially when you're a leader like Justin Fields is. Yes, that's something that I think a lot of people would call somewhat hokey, especially once you start diving into say nerd metrics or whatever you want to call it. But you got to remember that this is a locker room full of football players. And every time Justin Fields gets the chance to rear back and chuck the ball downfield to Bayless Jones and Bayless Jones gets the chance to prove himself down or as a downfield threat. I end up thinking it's a net good. Yes. Fields is taking hits. Yes. He took two more sacks on the day, which is a market improvement over the six sacks he took last week. But Even simple plays like first and 10, finding Kmet open on the sidelines in the flat and putting a ball, stapling it to his face that he drops. That's still a win and worthwhile development from a quarterback perspective. Or one was it third and five. I'm pulling directly from memory, finding Dante Pettis on a similar play where he hits him or bread basket, or he hits Dante Pettis as he, who tries to bread basket a ball placed perfectly over his outside shoulder that Pettis can't haul in. And the bears don't convert a first down on account of it. These are negative results, but they're positive plays from a quarterback perspective. As we try to see Justin Fields get a little bit more comfortable going through progressions in pockets that are rarely steady pockets. I think, Seeing Justin Fields manage this situation is net better. I'm not seeing him develop any extraordinarily bad habits at this point, which he would have been well within his right to do. Yes, he understands that he's got to play hero ball, but it looks like Fields is recognizing when opposing court or defenses are spying him and understanding that he's got to make plays from the pocket to pay those defenses off when they treat him like that. He tried to today. It didn't seem like the wide receivers were up to task, but Again, when you were already pulling somebody off the the Packers practice squad and starting them in Equinamia St. Brown, and you're even down that guy, what are you working with other than the definition of replacement players? Uh, I think that Velas has a long road to go. Uh, I know that he had a he had a relatively good game today. I mean, really, all he did was return a couple of uh, he returned a couple of kickoffs very very well. Had some really nice returns there, and obviously had that forty ish yard pass play down the field. But he looked so lost in the Philadelphia game that. While his speed was always going to give him a certainly a two season leash. I mean, let's be clear. There's only so bad or a rookie could be as bad as possible. And still they could easily take a step forward the next year. That's how NFL off seasons work. But this was 
a little glimpse of what Velas could be in the future. Gadget special teams guy, threat down the field, helps try to pry defenses open uh, and allow other receivers, I'm looking at you, Mooney, I'm looking at you, Claypool, to flourish more in that underneath and intermediate zone. So you've got Velas running down the field, getting open in the deep half of the field, so like beyond 20 yards, and maybe Claypool and Mooney eat more in that 5 to 20-yard region, and then they probably could use somebody a little better to eat in that underneath line of scrimmage to 5-yard region, but there you go. And, of course, Velas's acceleration and speed look awesome. I'm actually not trying to not take his back. I just thought he was a player that could easily fit in as a burner from the slot, just like he was today from Jump Street. And I would love to see him understand wide receiver a little bit more so that he doesn't look quite as lost as he did against Philadelphia. But he's always had legit speed. And it's nice to see that legit speed pay off in another positive offensive play, much like the sweet route he ran against Dallas and he just couldn't haul it in. If he can start catching some of these passes, I mean, he could be a guy that catches you 25 passes a game for like 350 to 400 yards and all 25 of those passes are relatively dangerous but that's getting ahead of ourselves look this game is not a game that I came into with much expectation and sitting there after the first half, I thought the bears might just pull something off. That was magical. They didn't. And that's okay. Frankly, I think it's net better for them that they didn't because now they're one step closer to a top two pick. And I have to say top two at this stage, because we just don't know the Houston Texans look like they may very well be right about to take the lead. Yep. There it is. 252 left in the fourth quarter and they have taken the lead over over the Titans, they beat them and the Nick Foles led Colts. And suddenly they've played their way out of the number one overall pick. But we'll have to just wait and see on that. Overall, it's a game that Justin Fields both entered and left healthy. He threw a touchdown. He did not throw an interception. That's a net positive. Uh, the Bears offense, it needs work. It needs schematic and talent work. And I do think those two things blend together. I don't think you can necessarily trot out one of the most modern offenses in football with no offensive line to block for longer developing concepts and no uh, defensive or and no receiving talent to win one-on-ones or run option routes consistently. That's a great way to fluster your quarterback. So, look, maybe I'm being giving, but <laughs> I do feel for Luke Getze in this situation because there's just not a ton that's going to work with receivers that largely weren't there for training camp. Yes, you have guys like Nikhil Harry and Valus Jones, but both were injured for relatively large portions of camp, and so all you've got is Dante Pettis and I guess Nasimba Webster if you want to count him, but I really don't. So this is... This is a complicated team to watch. It's a team that was bad, got hurt. So now it's a hurt, bad team with a quarterback that we really like. But thoughts of benching him, I think, are a bit extreme. It's the holidays. I'm glad that he was able to make a couple of highlight real plays for us against one of the best teams in football. The Bears get the Lions coming up and the Vikings after that, which, if nothing else, should be more visually in or like more visually interesting games uh, to watch compared to watching the Bears up against a Super Bowl favorite but we're just gonna have to wait and see on what those look like have a wonderful holiday season bears fans i'll see you next tuesday at 8 p.m as we talk through this games all 22 yes there are going to be interesting things to talk about and until then bear down and thanks so much for bearing with me